I'm Carol Speakerman, and this is Speakerman Speaks Retail, presented by MarketScale. Hey, everyone. Welcome to Speakerman Speaks Retail, where we navigate retail from now to next through my latest retail trajectories and through interviews with industry leaders who are charting the course, but always with tools, tactics, and takeaways that are geared for wherever you play in retail. So welcome to episode four. You know, we have a few episodes under our belts at this point, which is great because the premise of the podcast is to take those trajectories that we talk about in every episode and to track how they're evolving and connecting with one another. And we already see that opportunity because a couple of episodes ago, we talked about how buy, build, or bridge is retail's big question. Whether retailers are acquiring companies or relying on internal solutions or relying on partnerships to get ahead. And the answer to buy, build, or bridge is all of the above because the most successful retailers are doing all three all at the same time. So today we're going to talk about two trajectories that tie into that build piece. The biggest building projects that retailers across all kinds of categories are embarking on, but it's come springing back to life. We're going to move on to how this trajectory is evolving into a second trajectory that is really a game changer. And you can think of it as a positive game changer or a really challenging one, depending on where you sit. This is about, though, a prolific brand building movement, and it's one that's driving differentiation and margin at a time when retailers need both really badly. I call it the private brand palooza. Yep, we're talking about the resurgence in private brands and why retailers are kicking this private brand palooza into high gear, especially right now. First of all, national brands, you know, the alternative to private brands. For years, most of those national brands relied on wholesale relationships almost exclusively. At the time, they did that because they didn't really have all the options they have now. For one thing, digital, you know, direct to consumer, social media, and all of that. But they also were afraid to step out of those relationships because retailers would threaten to penalize them if they did. Retailers didn't like brands selling uh, sometimes to other retailers and certainly didn't like them forging direct relationships with consumers. All of that's completely changed. The new thinking is it's all good. For for the most part, they're pretty tolerant now of brands exercising all of these different options, whether it's selling to other retailers, not being in exclusive relationships, whether it's opening their own stores, whether it's going direct to consumer in the digital space. But there's a dark side to that because with these national brands becoming practically ubiquitous, that means that all retailers are in danger of having all the same brands. And when they have all the same brands, it becomes a race to the bottom on price because price comparisons are just a click away. So this is one really big reason why retailers are going back to their private brand party and why they really are cranking it up. Not only creating new brands, but also revamping and in some cases replacing very valuable legacy brands that they've had in their stables for years. You look at Walmart, for example, They just completely did away with some private brands that they'd had for years in the apparel area. Uh, Do you remember Faded Glory and White Stag? Well, those are gone. Now we've got Time and True and Terra and Sky and Wonder Nation and Kids. So Walmart made a big bet, a big risky bet, by doing away with some of those legacy brands and just completely building new ones in their place. 
Target, though, has been super aggressive in the private brand arena. Now, we know that Target is a leader when it comes to private and proprietary brands, designer partnerships in the apparel area. But they also started paying attention to some of those essentials categories. So they started tweaking their up and up brand of essentials, creating brands like Smartly that also address some of those staple items. And boy, what a smart, happy accident, right? Here we are in the corona crisis, and those are the very categories that are driving retail. But this benefits Target too, because as those shoppers trust Target in these staple categories, they make more frequent trips to both Target.com and Target stores, and that increases the likelihood that they're going to get some action on those higher margin discretionary categories like apparel and home. So it all works together. But what's interesting about this is, you know, Target has had a really impressive turnaround, and they seem to be weathering this corona crisis fairly well. Private brands are part of that success story because they had built that private brand foundation prior to the corona crisis, and it's really serving them well right now. And they, too, made really courageous decisions to completely do away with perfectly successful brands in order to keep things fresh. Now, in the grocery arena, you have retailers like Kroger and Albertsons that have built up very high equity, high loyalty brands in that space. And in fact, they're using these brands not just as generics that sit on the shelf and rely on comparison to a nearby national brand, but as cutting edge brands that go after hot categories like plant-based foods and even going up against emerging brands that are getting a lot of attention as they do it. You know, they have the confidence to know that they can build brands that will compete neck and neck with those emerging brands. But what's interesting here too, is that when you see the partnerships that are happening, like between Walgreens and Kroger, where they're making their private brands available to one another as a sort of friendly competition, if you will, and even forming a joint purchasing group called the Retail Procurement Alliance, where Walgreens and Kroger are collaborating on the sourcing piece in order to drive efficiencies with that brand creation. So really interesting developments on the private brand front, not just the number of brands being created, but the new partnerships, the monetization of these, of these brands and more. And even JCPenney, a company that has had some struggles and has really been in, in a downward spiral as the corona crisis has tightened its grip, they're, they've just said that they're going to declare bankruptcy. They're going to close as many as 30% of their stores But they carved out some time to create yet another private brand, which is a betting brand called Linden Street. So even in the midst of all this turmoil, even JCPenney is saying, hey, we got to keep this private brand Palooza going. In fact, uh, some of you who've been in retail for for many years or watched it for many years might know that JCPenney was one of the original private brand powerhouses, they showed everybody how it was done by creating these billion dollar private brands that can compete as well, if not better than national brands in in that arena. So they got some grief, though, as they departed from that strategy and started moving more toward national brands and high end brands for a short period of time. But now they're swinging back to those private brand roots and really owning their brand creation abilities. And wouldn't you know that Amazon is making trips down to Plano, Texas right now, checking out the wares and seeing if JCPenney might be a good buy for them to make. And as much attention as the JCPenney retail 
locations have gotten those big boxes that could become distribution centers for Amazon, or even sliced and diced and created new brick and mortar concepts and incubating new concepts in those spaces. You have to know that that brand creation ability and the brands that are already in JCPenney's stable are part of the value proposition. But either way, private brands are clearly no longer just brandless margin builders. They've become an expression of retailers' corporate brand identity, a really powerful way to hedge against this sea of sameness and this national brand ubiquity that's been happening. They're also assets to the point of retailers seeing ways that they can monetize them and even make them available to their competitors. They bring value to those cash-strapped consumers. And these days, they can even be a backup when national brands are sold out. You know, you've seen those empty aisles in some retailers in these essential categories. Well, private brands are, are an easier way in some cases for retailers to restock on those items and get back in business. So lots of benefits. But let's talk about where it's going next. First of all, we have a party crasher. Amazon has joined the private brand Palooza party. This is a big move because Amazon has traditionally been a platform on which others showcase their portfolios. Well, now Amazon is creating its own private brands. So their big advantage is that they have the platform and the portfolio, and they can use their platform to showcase and promote their portfolio of brands. What's also groundbreaking is Nobody really knows how many brands Amazon has right now. You know, is it 100? Is it 200? Tons of brands, more than any retailers ever attempted to create across so many different categories. But also, so many of those brands have no direct association or obvious association with Amazon. Yeah, you've got Amazon Essentials and Amazon Basics, but most of the brands that Amazon's created, you really would not even know that they're associated with Amazon. So Amazon is single-handedly ushering in our second trajectory. It's a new brand evolution that I call the secret brand movement, creating all kinds of private brands at unprecedented numbers and not even having that pride of association, stealth and scale through that platform leverage. And knowing that Amazon also has the ability as the platform owner to gather data from third-party sellers in order to create those brands. And wouldn't you know, just this month, the House Judiciary Committee sent a letter to Jeff Bezos asking him to testify about that very thing. Now, his initial response was to say, we use this data to improve customer experience. It's our competitors that are using data to create private brands. Lots of drama there. It's going to be interesting to see how it plays out. But either way, there's no denying that that combination of owning the platform and building a portfolio gives Amazon a killer advantage. But that advantage doesn't have to be exclusive to Amazon. So let's talk about our trajectory tracker takeaways and what all of this means to you, the challenges and the opportunities. For you retailers, this is going to have to be about balance and strategy because all of your competitors are cranking up their private brand creation. And then you've got folks like Amazon just going to town. Now that can have an overall dilutive effect on the entire brand environment. You know, if Amazon continues to train shoppers to just not care about brands or care about brand association, then that can impact everybody else and I think impact the entire brand environment in terms of the impact that these brands have. 
But at the same time, nothing is stopping retailers from taking a page from Amazon. Because even though retailers were much more in the portfolio business than they were in the platform business, now most have developed their own digital platforms and they have even partnerships with other retailers' digital platforms. You can promote your private brands on those platforms. And I've seen a big movement where retailers are no longer just relying on that passive shelf-based strategy for private brands. Be bold about your promotions on your private brands and how they differentiate from everybody else's. But there's a big opportunity too on the secret brand front. You know, retailers have traditionally had that pride of association, and it was just such a radical move for Amazon to say, well, we don't necessarily care if people associate these brands with our brand. So that thinking, I've talked to some retailers where I see that that's starting to take hold, and retailers are considering building up their own secret brand portfolios. They have the brand building capabilities. They have the platforms that they can promote them on. Who cares if anybody knows that it's your brand? Now, brand marketers and product suppliers. I know that every time retailers go into this rush of private brands, and it, and it does tend to go in cycles and it ebbs and flows, it can freak out brand marketers and suppliers for good reason. Hey, you're competing against those brands. But I encourage my clients to think about it a very different way. Retailers now know that they benefit from having a mix, a mix of private and national brands. Even retailers like Aldi that are very reliant on private brands, very much known for them, even they are bringing national brands into their stores to just spice things up. So instead of positioning yourself as competing against retailers' private brands, which I know is tempting, start positioning alongside them. Start talking about how your brands and products help promote their private brands. There are ways to do that, but you're part of a strategic mix. It's not ever going to be an either or, and you're never going to win by attacking retailers' private brands. And in fact, if you're like a lot of the brand marketers that I've been speaking with, you're probably helping retailers create private brands. And that's a good thing, too, because retailers have never been more open to outside partnerships. I say it all the time, but that's still true in the brand arena as well. They're always looking for ways to expand into new categories, and you can help them do it. Now, for you solution and service providers, you know now that retailers' private brands are super important and even personal to retailers. So start thinking about how you can help them with that specific business, whether you provide merchandising solutions or in-store services or data capabilities. How does what you do help retailers drive their private brand business? That's when you're really talking their language. Wow, I love this topic, and I'm really looking forward to tracking where it goes next and how it continues to evolve as more retailers join this private brand palooza and even maybe take a shot at some of those secret brands. Hey, I want to give a quick shout out as we wrap up to those of you who have written in with feedback and questions and just sharing stories about what's working and not working in your world. Love hearing from you. And I'm going to start to incorporate some of that feedback into our future episodes. Please, anytime you've got a suggestion or a comment, ping me at carol at speakermanretail.com. I would love to hear from you. So on that note, we're going to wrap up this episode of Speakerman Speaks Retail by Market Scale. And in future episodes, we're going to be talking to more industry leaders who are paving the way to what's next in retail. We're going to introduce some new trajectories and continue to track the ones that we've talked about early on. And if you'd like to follow me on social media, you can reach me on Twitter at Retail Expert without the first E. 
X-P-E-R-T. Please stay tuned and keep listening. Our next episode is going to break on Thursday, June 18th. So stay safe and I'll see you next time.